0: This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now, here's the executive editor of FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. I'm here today with uh, Ron Sarnaki, the executive director for the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Uh, how are we doing today, Ron? Doing
1: pretty good. I'm actually spending a little time in Florida in preparation for some visits and. Uh, it's a beautiful
0: day. Outstanding. Uh, Florida is uh, definitely the place to be, I hear. So we, uh, we know uh, the Fallen Firefighters Foundation, um, for the last about 20 years, you've been the executive director. Is that correct? Uh,
1: I, I started right after uh, I retired from Prince George's in July of uh, 2001. So in my 19th year, you're
0: correct. Uh, 19 years. It's amazing. Now, we've seen the foundation grow exponentially. Uh, under, under, uh, not only under your term as executive director, but certainly with the board of directors and all the involvement of all, everybody involved. Can you give us a sense uh, of how, uh, the foundation has evolved over those 19 years and what is the focus right now that, uh, that, that is driving the foundation? Well, I think
1: that the biggest component has been we've been working to build a solid team of individuals to help us. Uh, the fire service community, the general public, corporate America, our, our board of directors, our staff, and the hundreds of volunteers who provide resources and time and efforts to deliver our messaging and programming. And it truly has been a phenomenal journey from the standpoint of the commitment people have And I guess, you know, you look at what our mission is, to to honor every firefighter who dies in the line of duty in our country and help their families rebuild their lives. That's pretty pretty unique stuff from the standpoint of the fire service efforts, but also the the, the component of reducing firefighter line of duty deaths and injuries so that the families don't have to go through the loss at all. And so I think that's the driving force, but it's a phenomenal team made up of a variety of different people and entities and very appreciative of that relationship we've built over the last 19 years
0: yeah it's a it's a phenomenal group of folks i've been to many of the programs and um, I certainly help out where i can and i, I hope other folks uh, along the way pick up the mission and uh, take to heart the uh, life safety initiatives and the everyone goes home um, as, as much more than just a slogan but also as a way of doing business and a way of of life. So I know that uh, a couple of programs that are new for the foundation, uh, the Cancer Initiative, you want to talk about what's going on with that?
1: Sure. So it's interesting because when we came to, again, Florida, Tampa, for the Tampa 2 Summit in 2014, there was a lot of discussion about uh, the cancer efforts that were underway and that there needed to be more push, and more research and more efforts and so the foundation began to promote a lot of the work that was being done by other organizations as well because this is a a team effort it isn't just the foundation all the national organizations are doing components of of the prevention stuff and we are trying to make sure that what's out there in the way of best practices and solid evidence-based research is shared but but also you know, kind of being the catalyst to push it. And so after Tampa 2, a lot of discussions relative to research funding and what was needed. And that included, you know, the firefighter database that's being uh, created relative to injuries of firefighters, specifically with the, the, can- the cancer registry and others, along with corporate America stepping up to put some su- funding and, and support into cancer initiatives to to prevent the occurrences and and also, you know, the long-term care. And so the foundation has been working on that since Tampa 2. What's interesting is that as we began to do more and more of that, we we began to get requests for support and assistance from organizations outside of the fire community. I mean, what I'm referring to is law enforcement, EMS, and because our charge from Congress is the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, we we began to get a little bit of mission creep. And it wasn't that we weren't going to help, because we did, we worked with a lot of police entities. And and, uh, even we received a request from the Trauma Nurses Association on some of our paper health stuff. The discussion was then, well, how do we continue to provide support but not get too far out of the box with our mission? And so we came up with a a new organization called the First Responder Center of Excellence. It's an affiliate of the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. It's a separate 501c3, but the connectivity is the board of directors of the First Responder Center reports to the board of directors of the foundation. So there is that connectivity and information exchange and joint efforts relative to the projects on cancer, behavioral health, cardiac, and the health and wellness, the survivability of all first responders.
0: No, that's great. So, so the first responder, Center for Excellence, sounds like they can focus much more on the training programs and the efforts that go into prevention, while the Fallen Firefighters Foundation can continue to focus on the families and the needs that they have.
1: That is exactly correct, because as we began to get... Really, as we began to be involved with the 16 life safety initiatives, we never wanted the families to feel like they weren't the prime mission of the foundation. Because that is what our charge is by Congress. And so, we, we tried to balance that, uh, delicately. But, but still, family needs had to come first. And so by creating this affiliate, it allows the foundation to stay focused on our fire hero families, our scholarships, our kids camps, <clears throat> our our wellness conferences, the memorial weekend, our last teams, all the projects that we do relative to preparing for, dealing with, and ultimately post firefighter line of duty death, and and then the components relative to the prevention side. Some of them have moved to the First Responder Center. We didn't move them all because there are some components that are still integrated with what we do with departments when a line of duty death occurs, such as our chief-to-chief or incident commander support and you know some of the operational pieces. So we're, 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 we've got a balance there, and we're trying to make sure that we have all the pieces in the right places. But it takes time, and, and to be candid, it takes resources. Of support to do that.
0: Sure. Yeah. No. And nothing happens uh, for free. We we talk about um, you know volunteer help in everything we do, but at the end of the day, even volunteer help costs money to get uh, people to places to to get materials into their hands and uh, get them doing uh, what what they need to do. So uh, certainly can respect the need for uh, funding for for all of those things. As we look at uh, firefighter fatalities over the years, uh, I know there had been a decrease and been some increases. Where are we right now uh, overall with line-of-duty deaths?
1: Since the first Tampa summit in 2004 till now, we've seen a 26% reduction in firefighter deaths evaluated on the initial criteria. Wow! And that's uh, that's a big step. Uh, absolutely. We were, yeah. this, the, the 2019 or more weekend, we honored less than 70 firefighters who died under that traditional criteria. But in reality, we honored 119 firefighters. And that's what's changing. The, the cancer component is one. And, uh, as we begin to continue to look at other occupational illnesses, post-traumatic stress, the connectivity with uh, suicide, and and we're, we're, we're trying to balance that with good data and, as I said earlier, the, the need for evidence-based research. And so right now there there's technically three criteria out there that we look at. The traditional criteria that was developed in uh, 1997 by the National Fire Service Organization's has been the criteria we've used historically. It's got the cardiac, the vehicle accidents, uh, traumatic deaths, those kind of things, responses. And um, that's the number that's down below 70. And then with the World Trade Center disease research, it's been done by Dr. Howard at NIOSH and his team making the connectivity that those cancers that, the first responders who went to New York and the Pentagon have been diagnosed with are a direct result of the attack on our nation, that became a game changer relative to the public safety officer benefit program because PSOB, the way the legislation was written by Congress, the death has to be a direct result of an incident, and and that has always been interpreted singularly. And we know that cancer is often cumulative exposures. And so there never was a way to say, this cancer happened at this incident. Well, 9-11 changed that. And so now those individuals that are in the medical monitoring program for World Trade Center disease, and then ultimately are dying as a result of the cancers that have been designated connected are being approved by PSOB as a line-of-duty death cancer. Mm-hmm. And that happened just uh, the first batch was a year and a half ago. Yeah. And so that is making that difference. And then because of that, uh, we in the fire service know that you know there is is there there is higher levels of cancer, especially the research that's been done in some of the big cities, Philadelphia, uh and San Francisco and others, and a lot of work done by the IFF, that there is a connectivity to our industry. But the problem is is that um, it's not a singular exposure. So what our board of directors decided to do, how to address that, because of the number of cases that are out there, Uh, we have now taken a look at the state presumptive legislation that's out there in, well, almost. I think it's, 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 a, it's almost 40 states have some type of cancer presumptive legislation. And what we decided to do, or board decided to do, is that if a firefighter is diagnosed with a cancer and a presumptive legislation is enacted and the connection is made, even though PSOB will not recognize it, uh, we are going to recognize it at the National Memorial. And so this past year's memorial, uh, service, we had, uh, a a number of cancer cases from state presumptive legislation. So that's why we went from, you know, below 70 to 119 cases. And, uh, that number is just going to keep increasing as the, the few states that don't have presumptive legislation get it as some of the states strengthen their presumptive legislations. And then, of course, as the number of individuals that responded on 9-11 continue to be afflicted, that number is going to go up. And so what we're anticipating is for the memorial service each year, back in the 120-140 range. And then that's going to take effort because we, you know, we provide all of the efforts for the families to get there. We support all those efforts, I should say. Uh, we we pay for their travel. We pay for their lodging. Make sure they can attend the memorial service, and it's a lot. It's a lot of pieces there, and that takes the resources. and That's why we're doing stair climbs and golf tournaments and all these other pieces out there. Yeah, um, you know we we have a very low administrative overhead. Our foundation's administrative rate is 12 percent, which. Is phenomenal in my view. Most nonprofits are in the twenty-five range. That's acceptable, or half of that, and that's because we try to put the, the dollars that we raise, the support we get, in the programs and not, you know, uh, internal management costs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, that th- those efforts are seen all over the country and in, uh, in the stair climbs and the different events that happen. And uh, we we appreciate everything that the foundation does to not only support the families, but also uh, get the fire departments involved in the process and being part of the solution. We're running uh, low on time, but I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned, um, and and that is firefighter suicide. Uh, We know that there's been an increasing uh, awareness of suicide, and uh, the IFF's uh, Behavioral Health Center uh, in Maryland has uh, begun to, I think, uh, begun to Put a dent in uh, the the feeling that uh, there's nowhere to turn for some folks. Can you talk just for a minute about what uh, the foundation can do to help folks uh, to to help them deal with the the thoughts of suicide, to help them uh, work through the process and get the help they need?
1: Sure. And, and this is a, a subject that is is getting a lot of momentum and attention. I think finally the stigma related to it is going away and the connectivity to PTSD. I mean, we in the fire service see the worst in our neighborhoods. Just That's just a matter of life. And, and that brings its toll on us. So there's a couple of programs the foundation has. Uh, we have a program called Stress First Aid that uh, was developed originally within the military and then transitioned to the fire service. And it's one of those programs that's being transitioned into law enforcement, thus why created the first responder center. But it's about peer intervention. That, that's what we see to be the most successful. And, and the analogy I'd like to make is that, that crew in that station, sitting around that kitchen table, often gets a feeling or a sense that there's something wrong with somebody. But they don't know what to do. They don't know how to interact. Now granted, some, some, some of these cases come out of nowhere but oftentimes there's financial issues or marital issues or substance abuse issues. And, and if we intervene early, and the idea behind stress first, first aid is to give people tools to recognize some of the signs and symptoms and, and do something, it's the old TSA, if you see something, say something. And we often hear people say, I thought something was wrong, but I didn't know what to do, so I didn't say anything, and then the next thing you know, something tragic occurs. There's a lot of great behavioral health programs out there uh, you're right, the IFF, and their wellness center that uh, is in Prince George's, Canley, is a phenomenal facility. Uh, but it's a residential facility. There's a lot of online help. But but the one thing I would say is before you don't jump into any program, do some homework. Make sure that it is an accredited program of some sort, that there's some track record, because unfortunately in, in our world today there are a lot of people that are just looking at take advantage of situations, and never really provide any help. There's a ton of resources on the Foundation's website and a ton of resources on the First Responder Center of Excellence site. And uh, we'd be more than willing to to deal with anyone that has to have a discussion or would like to get more information. Reach out to us, contact us, and we'll do everything we can to help.
0: Okay, I have been talking today with uh, Ron Sarnicky, the Executive Director of the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. You can find out a lot about the information that uh, we've talked about today on www.firehero.org. That's www.firehero.org. Uh, Ron, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. We appreciate everything that you and the Foundation do to help us every day and help keep us safe. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark.